0: Welcome to Awakened to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts. I'm so glad you're with me today because we come to one of the most fascinating kings of all of the kings of the Old Testament. His name is King Asa. His story is found in 2 Chronicles, chapters 14 to 16. And you know, my friends, I have to tell you, he is one of the saddest stories to me in all of the Bible. King Asa began so well, he relied on the Lord. He had 35 years of reigning Judah that God gave him. Great prosperity, great strength, great peace, very little war. But then in his 35th year, oh, what a disaster, what a mistake that he made. The Bible says, that he refused to rely on the Lord. Friends, King Asa represents a life that starts out doing good but doesn't finish well. The old saying is so true. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. And King Asa represents that to us. I hope you learned so much from the Word of God today. Let's take our Bibles, let's go to 2 Chronicles, and let's learn from the life of King Asa on this broadcast of Awakened to Grace. Second Chronicles Chapter 14. Today we're going to continue our study of the Kings of the Old Testament. Now, remember that we are going to walk through. 2nd Chronicles, and I'll tell you the difference between the book of 1st Kings and 2nd Kings, 1st Chronicles, and 2nd Chronicles. 1st and 2nd Kings is more of a historical account of the kings of Israel and Judah. However, while that is a historical perspective, First and Second Chronicles is more of a it's more of God's perspective. It's a heavenly perspective. It shows the spiritual truths behind what the kings were doing, what they thought, and what their actions were. And because of that, there are amazing life principles that you and I can draw from the kings of the Old Testament. Now, last week we introduced King Rehoboam. Now, Rehoboam, if you remember, was the son of King Solomon. He was the grandson of King David himself. And you remember we talked about the kingship of Israel. It began with King Saul with only 12 loose tribes. It turned into a kingdom under David, a one united Israel. Solomon inherited the empire, and now Solomon led the entire kingdom. But remember, Solomon started out well, but he didn't finish well. Then the kingdom went to his son Rehoboam. We called him Ray Ray last week. <laughs> well, Rehoboam did not do well. The Bible says that the kingdom split under Rehoboam, he had a north kingdom which is called Israel. That is not in terms of nationality. It's in terms of geography. The kingdom split, and ten tribes are in the north, which is called Israel from here on out, and two tribes in the south, Benjamin and Judah. And instead, the south is called Judah. So from here on out, throughout the book of Second Chronicles, which takes us from the division of the north and south kingdom all the way to King Nebuchadnezzar invading and taking over everything. What the south kingdom, Judah, traces specifically is the house, the lineage of King David. And if you read on, you're going to find through the kings, even though many kings acted very wickedly and God had all right, to utterly destroy and remove them, there was one reason why God didn't. And do you know why? Because he made a covenant with King David that he was going to establish his house forever and ever. And as you march your way all the way through the Old Testament and as you come to the glorious book of Matthew and the wonderful genealogy of Matthew chapter 1, do you know what we find? It is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, that He came from the descendants of the house of David. Right here in this lineage that we are studying this summer. When you connect the dots like that, it's absolutely fascinating material. Now, last week, we focused on Rehoboam, and we saw that Rehoboam did not set his heart to follow God. Rehoboam rejected wise counsel. Rehoboam oppressed the people and taxed the people, and he split the kingdom into into north and south. And Rehoboam, in the end, did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord, and he did not set his heart to follow God. After Rehoboam, in chapter 13, comes a king named Abijah. Abijah was the son of Rehoboam. And according to kings, Abijah struggled. He had his own struggles. He did well here in chapter 13. But now I want you to notice his son. And that's who we're going to study today. A man by the name of King Asa. Asa started out so well, but like so many others who live this life, Asa did not end well. Let's dig into his life this morning, and I pray God teaches you many principles, many things that you can apply to your very own life today. If you look in chapter 14, verse number 1, we are introduced to King Asa. And verses 1 and 2 of chapter 14 tell us Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He removed idolatry. He led Israel into a mighty revival that we see in chapters 14 and chapters 15. But the problem is, is that the older that King Asa got, the more proud he became, the stronger he grew, the more proud he became. In the end, Asa refused to repent. His fatal flaw was that he did not rely on the Lord. His fatal flaw is that he would not look to the Lord. His fatal flaw was that he would not repent when he needed to be. Asa represents someone today who starts out well, but doesn't cross the finish line, who refuses to keep a heart sensitive to the Lord. So verses 1 and 2, he removes idolatry from the land, he does what is right in the eyes of the Lord. And I want you to notice in verses 1 down to ch- into verse 10, all through this text, at least five times in chapter 14, the Bible emphasizes for 10 years, the first 10 years of Asa's reign, there was no war in the land. Five times he's going to emphasize there is no war. The realm of Asa. Is at rest. The land is at rest. There is peace. Over and over, this chapter is going to emphasize that. But when we get down to verse number 10, all of that is about to change because now the Ethiopians are going to come against Judah. And this was no small army, this was over one million men. And I want you to pay attention to verse 11, all this by way of foundation. I want you to look at verse number 11, and I want you to see the amazing prayer that King Asa prayed. It's a beautiful prayer. It's a prayer filled with humility. It's a prayer of sincerity. It's an authentic prayer to the Lord. And Asa says in this prayer in verse 11, God, we rely on you. Now, friends, that's going to be the thread of chapters 14, 15, and 16. Throughout all three chapters, we're going to see how Asa relied on the Lord. And then in the end, he stopped relying on the Lord. And they face this mighty army, these Ethiopians. And Asa cries out to God and he says, God, you are the God between the weak and the strong. They are strong. We are weak. What can we do against this horde? And Asa says, God, we don't know what to do. But we rely on you. And the Bible says... Not Asa fought the bi- battle. The Bible says that the Lord fought their bi- battle. And God delivered a great victory for Judah that day. And Judah goes in and they recover all of the spoil. They recover all of the plunder. And they bring all of these things back to Jerusalem with them. And God delivers a mighty victory. One of the greatest battles that Judah had ever faced. And God delivered the victory. And why did God do because Asa was humble enough that he relied on the Lord. Now go to chapter 15 with me. In chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, I want you to pay close attention to this. What happens next is that The prophet of the Lord is going to come. Now, get the image in your mind. They're back in Jerusalem. They have all this plunder. They have all this spoil. One of the greatest victories in all of the history of Israel has just been completed by the Lord. And the people are ready to celebrate. And the spirit of God comes on the prophet. And what does the prophet say? Verse 2. These are great words for you and I today. These are great words for our marriage. Great words for our family. Great words for our children and our parenting. Great words for our faith and great words for our spiritual life. And what does verse 2 say? The Lord is with you while you are with the Lord. You should underline that in your Bible. You should star it, asterisk it, put it in parentheses, make it jump out, highlight it. The Lord is with you while You are with the Lord. If you seek Him, He will be found by you. If you forsake Him, He will forsake you. Wow. I want to talk for a moment what does it mean for us to rely upon the Lord? I want to talk about what it means for your heart. I want to talk about what it means for your family to make a decision today that you are going to look to the Lord and you're going to rely on the Lord no matter what is ahead of the curve, no matter what comes down the pike, no matter what's down the road, no matter what you face, no matter what you fear, no matter what comes, you are going to rely on the Lord. Oh, I want to be that kind of person. I want to be someone that no matter what I face in life, nothing can shake my faith. I want to be someone that as God commands his blessings on my life, as God enlarges my territory and my borders, As God commands his blessings upon me and as I grow in my faith and I grow to that full measure of the stature of the Lord Jesus Christ and as God's blessings increase about me, I want to be someone that I never stagger in my faith. That as my faith grows, my pride doesn't. Anyone with me today? I want God to be able to bless my life, and be able to trust me with his blessings. The Lord is with you while you are with the Lord. If you seek him, he'll be found by you. If you forsake him, he will will forsake you. That's the word of the Lord from the prophet to King Asa. So what does Asa do? He responds unbelievably. I want you to look at verse number Verse number 12. Now remember in chapter 14, verse 11, Asa says, I rely on you, God. What an amazing prayer. If every one of us prayed that kind of prayer, how it would bless the heart of God. And then the prophet says, here's the condition. God will be with you while you're with the Lord. You forsake him, he'll forsake you. And what happens? Asa in verse 12 I want you to look at what they do. They're going to make a covenant with the Lord. They're going to renew their commitment to the Lord. And a mighty revival is going to come into the land. Now remember what he's done. He's already removed the idolatry from his forefathers. And now the people, they're going to renew their covenant with God. The Bible says in chapter 15 that such revival was taking place in the south, in Judah, that many from the north defected down. They deserted the north. Multitudes were coming down to the south because they were obeying God. And God's blessings were all over the land. God's blessings were all over his people. And King Asa says, no, we're going to make a new covenant with the Lord. And listen to what verse 12 says. The Bible says, with all their heart and with all their soul, they decided to follow the Lord. Oh, I love that. With all their heart and with all their soul, they decided to follow the Lord. And look at verse 15 with me. With all their heart, and the Lord became their desire. And look what it says. And the Lord was found by them. In other words, they had the presence of the Lord in their midst. Friends, let me tell you, there's nothing more precious to me in my life than the presence of God. I want his hand on me. Do you? I want his presence active in my life. I don't want to go off here and do my own thing and live in my own wisdom and and go about doing what I feel is good for me and never consulting the Lord. No, no, no. I want to invite his presence into my daily life. I want his guidance. I want his wisdom. I want his discernment. I want his plans and I want to know his purposes And listen to what it says. When they made this covenant with God, God was found by them. If you go back up to verse 4, the prophet tells Israel, there's a time in Israel there was no law being taught. Israel did not have teachers. Israel was in idolatry. And, And the Lord wants to be found by you. In other words, he wants his presence in your midst. But he must be welcomed. And when we come down to verse 15, Asa so responded, so responded to the Word of God that the Bible says that God was found by them. God was in their midst. Oh, I have such an appreciation for that. What does it mean to rely on the Lord? God is with you while you are with the Lord. What does it mean to rely on him? If you look at verse 16, not only did they make a new covenant with the Lord, not only did they consecrate themselves and they renewed their covenant with God, after one of the greatest battles that Israel had ever faced, and God brought the victory. I mean, Asa is, whew, he is right in the flow of God's will. He takes the queen mother, who is idolatrous and wicked and evil, and he removes her from being queen mother. Now, I don't know how you are with your mama, but most people are still scared of their mama even later in life, right? And he took her obscene and horrid images and idols. He tore them down. He smashed them, and he burned them. Friends, revival had come. You know what is interesting to me about King Asa? Now say amen if you're with me right now. Asa was raised in a dysfunctional family. Asa was raised in a messed up home. Filled with wickedness, filled with idolatry. I want to say something today, because there's many of you that come from dysfunctional homes. And I'll be honest with you, I haven't ever done a counseling session yet that I've not found a family that somewhere, some way, somehow there's dysfunction in it. You, you, you want to discover some dysfunction? Read the way Jacob handled his sons in the Old Testament. Read how Isaac made decisions and what Rebecca did with their boys. Read what Abraham did with Hagar and with Sarah and Ishmael. and I, Let me tell you, if there was dysfunction in the forefathers of our faith, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you don't think there's not some dysfunction in your family line? Now, come on, say amen if you're with me right now. So don't act no victim, all right? It's everywhere. And you can overcome it, Amen. Asa overcame it. I'm telling you, by the authority of the word, you are not a product of your environment. You're a product of your choices. And Asa made the right choices. He determined, I'm going to set my heart toward God. He determined, I'm going to tear down the idols of my lineage. I'm going to tear down the idols of my past. And I'm going to keep my heart sensitive to the Lord. And it's in this amazing phrase of chapter 14, verse 11. Asa relied on the Lord. Oh, I want to rely on God. I don't want to rely on my family. I don't want to rely on what I grew up watching and seeing. I don't want to rely on how I was raised. I don't want to rely on mistakes that I've made. I don't want to rely on my human strength or on my frailty today. I want to rely solely on the Lord. And let me tell you, those of you who you will rely on the Lord, God has blessings waiting for you. God has helped ready for you. You go to chapter 16. The Bible says that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro upon the earth, giving strong support to those who look to the Lord. Amen. Oh, my. Oh, I want the Lord. I want his eyes to be upon me. I want want to have help from heaven, Psalm 57. I want help from heaven because I choose to rely on the Lord. What does it mean to rely on the Lord? Any of you familiar with the painter Norman Rockwell? He's famous for capturing just the spirit of Americana. Many wonderful paintings. You ever see the painting he did of the boy watching a baseball game? Rockwell painted this wooden fence with a knot hole, And he painted this little boy watching a game through the knothole of a fence. You know what I think about? When I consider Paul said, we see through a glass dimly. You know, that little boy couldn't. He didn't have the view that the crowd had, did he? We don't have the view that those who have already gone on ahead of us. The great cloud of witnesses that surrounds us. He didn't have their view, did he? He didn't have the view of the coaches and the players and the empire. No, his view was quite limited. You know what? When it comes to us relying on God and when it comes to us living a life completely dependent upon His grace and upon His guidance and upon His wisdom and His mercy. You know what? You and I have a very, very limited view of our life. Can you say amen to that? The Lord challenged me today and rebuked me this morning. I was up very early, sipping my wonderful coffee. Amen. Praise God for it. The Lord was telling me, Chad, tell the people today, you never go wrong relying on God, ever. And a thought came to my mind. How many of you know we're human, aren't we? We're frail, aren't we? Didn't David say, God, remember that, we, that our frames are weak and we are but dust? Didn't David pray that? Lord, remember that we're but dust. And I thought of a friend of mine that recently passed of cancer, who had all hope and all faith that the Lord was going to heal him. And yet he passed. And I thought about him this morning, and I thought, Lord, that, that humanity in me, that frailness in me, that smallness in me that oh ye of unbelief in me said but lord what about him he relied on you didn't you let him down it didn't work out for him did it oh, our hearts are so wicked aren't they john bunyan that great man who wrote pilgrim's progress said there's enough sin in my greatest prayer to damn the world And I said, Lord, I, I don't." I. and the Lord said, no, tell the people, you never go wrong relying on the Lord. Well, Lord, what about him? He relied on you and things didn't work out. But I could feel the sharp rebuke of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord said, Chad, you're looking through a knothole. You don't see it all. You see through a glass dimly. You don't know how that man's faith is going to glorify me while the ages roll forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. You see only in days. You see only in weeks. You see only in years. But God said, I see for all of eternity. Amen. You're looking through a knot hole that that's The Lord said, no, you never go wrong relying on me. Even when it appears that God let us down. I remember when my dad faced death and he was right at the point of passing. I remember the Holy Spirit telling me, Chad, the day that your dad died, will become the greatest day of his entire life. The last breath he takes on earth will be the first breath he breathes celestial air. Amen. I don't want to base my faith on this old sinful word. I don't want to base my faith on God doing what I can only see through a glass dimly. I don't want to base my faith on looking through a small knothole. I want to take God at His word. And I want to believe the whole counsel of God. Can we say amen today? The Bible says some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will trust in the name of the Lord. Amen. What does it mean to rely on God? What does it mean for your heart to rely on God? I believe it means that you have trusting confidence that God is who He says He is and God will do what God says He will do. That's relying on the Lord. What does Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tell us? Trust in the Lord. Oh, you know it. Hallelujah. With all your what? Heart. Oh, I love it. You know why I love that? Because God knows it's an emotional thing, it is a vulnerable thing to trust God with all your heart. Amen. And times you get your hopes up and they get fallen. And times you get sick over deferred hope. And times that you wonder, is God really listening? And does God really see? And does God really care? No, my friend, the Bible says, in yet still all of that, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Amen. You can give God every emotion you have today. And you can trust him with every emotion you've got. It's a vulnerable thing. It's an emotional thing to walk with God and trust in him. Amen? But what does he say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean upon your own understanding. I shared with prayer meeting Tuesday night. So many of you, you're standing with me in faith that God's going to open these blind eyes. Amen? (laughs) I meet people all the time. Let me tell you, people I don't even know in person who messages me and says, Chad, I pray for you every day that God opened your eyes. Boy, Boy, that's a lot of prayer seed being sown. Amen. And there's a harvest coming to the glory of God. Well, after our great and mighty healing Sunday, boy, didn't God do so much? It was a day ordained by the Holy Spirit. And was I disappointed that the Lord didn't heal my eyes that day? Yes, I was. I told the Lord in the days following. I struggled. I struggled. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I let myself get my hope up. And you know what the Lord did? The Lord said, oh, Chad, come here. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, he didn't do that at all. You know what the Lord did? The Lord said, good. Get your hope up. Because that's what faith does. It gets your hope up. Why? Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not yet seen. Amen. God didn't coddle me. God didn't rub the back of my head and said, oh, everything's going to be all right. No, God said, that's right. Keep your hope up. Amen. Keep walking this thing out. What did Abraham do in Romans chapter four? He waited on God. He disregarded his body. And rather than growing weak, he grew stronger in faith. Amen. What are we to do? We're to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not upon our own understanding, but in all of our ways acknowledge Him and He will direct our paths. Friends, that's relying on the Lord. It's when you stop looking at yourself. It's when you stop trusting in other people. It's when you don't lean upon your own knowledge or your own understanding or your own strength. But in every one of your ways, you acknowledge God and he begins to direct your path. Friends, that's relying on God. I want the kind of trusting, I want the kind of confidence in God that nothing and no unbelief and no sorrow and no disappointment and no trial and no heartache can shake my faith with the Lord. Amen. Relying on God. God is with you while you are with him. He will be found by you if you seek him. Friends, relying on God is you seeking God with all your heart, with all your soul, with God becoming your greatest desire, verse 15. And that's when God's going to be found in your life. When you seek him with all of your heart. Hallelujah. Do you have confidence in God today? Are you able to say like David, Psalm 121? Where does your help come from? David said, I will lift up my eyes into the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Is that your confidence today? Or is your confidence other people? Is your confidence you? Is your confidence your job today? Is your confidence your retirement or your nest egg or the economy? Your confidence ought to be in the Lord. One of the greatest songs of our faith is the song, Tis So Sweet, to trust in Jesus. How many of you love that song? You know how that song was written? The late 1800s, Louisa Stead had just gotten married, and they had a little girl, I think four years old, and she and her husband went to enjoy a day at the beach in Long Island, New York. They're having a picnic on the beach in the late 1800s. All of a sudden they hear a cry for help out of the Atlantic Ocean and a young boy was drowning. And Mr. Stead ran to meet him. Pulled him, tried to rescue him from the water and the story goes that he did rescue him but sadly Mr. Stead was pulled down by the undercurrent and he drowned. In those days in the late 1800s you didn't have safe social safety nets and he didn't have the any kind of help in that regard and their little four-year-old daughter lily and louisa was trusting god and living by faith and one day they came to a point where groceries had ran out and they had nothing more to eat louisa cried out to the lord her confidence was in god She relied on the Lord and she cried out to God and she asked God for help and she waited for God to move and trusted in Him. Later that evening, the account goes. She heard a knock on her front door and she goes to answer it and nobody's there. No one's there. But on her front porch, someone had filled it with groceries and had left an envelope with no name but stuffed it full of cash for enough money to meet their needs she came in so overwhelmed so overcome she wrote those timeless and those beautiful words tis so sweet to trust in jesus just to take him at his word amen where's your confidence today are you relying on the lord Some of you in this economy, you're going to have to decide. Am I going to rely on God? Am I going to rely on the economy? Am I going to rely on God? Am I going to rely on my workplace? Am I going to rely on my job as my source? Or is God my source? Some of you are going to have to make a decision as your children grow. Some of you, your children, God will call them into full-time ministry. Some he may even call overseas to work in foreign lands and dangerous places. And you'll have to make a decision. Is my confidence in me and the American dream? Or is my confidence in the Lord? What does it mean to rely on God? It means that you make a decision to not lean upon your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. He come from a dysfunctional home and he overcame it, verses 16, 17. Verses 18 and 19, I want you to note this. He took gold and silver, sacred gifts to the Lord from his forefathers. And I want you to note this. Asa made his own sacred gifts to the Lord. Brought them into the house of the Lord, into the treasury. And that's where this chapter closes now. Go to chapter 16 and let me briefly walk you through the end of Asa's life. We've seen him do well. We've seen him face the first major battle and his prayer was, God, I rely on you. We see him respond to the prophet's words. We see him respond to the word of God with pure obedience. He makes a brand new covenant. He sets his heart to seek God. And there's a mighty revival in the land. He removes idolatry and boy, things just couldn't be going better for King Asa. Now, do you remember what we said about chapter 15? Such revival was taking place in the south that multitudes deserted the north, which was called Israel, for geographical purposes. They deserted the north and came down to the south. So watch what the king of Israel does in chapter 16, verse 1. He seals up the border, preventing travel. No one else can... Desert the north and come to the south. So what does King Asa do? Now, think about this, church. For the first 10 years of his reign, there's rest in the land, there's peace in the land, there is no war, and God has made the realm of Asa quiet. And then 15 years into his realm, this mighty army out of Ethiopia comes against him, and what does he do? He relies on the Lord. God gives a great battle. And now as you go through chapter 15, We see restoration. We see reformation. We see revival. And now, instead of relying on God and looking to God, what Asa has done over 20 years from his 15th reign to his 35th year reign, he grows prideful and he relies on himself. And I want you to look at verses 2 and 3 particularly. He takes the sacred gifts. He takes the gold and he takes the silver out of the treasury of the Lord, out of the house of the Lord, those things that were holy, those things that were consecrated, those things that belonged to God. And he sent them to the king of Syria. And he talked the king of Syria into coming against Israel. And here's what he did. He finagled. Here's what he did. He worked the angle. What he did is he got clever and he got crafty. And what he did is rather than looking to the Lord and relying on the Lord, he relied on his own wisdom. He relied in his own strength. There's some of you right now that you're facing decisions. Some of you right now have decisions that you have to make. And you're weighing out your options. You're weighing the pros and the cons. But in all of your decision making, you're not looking to the Lord. You're not seeking his guidance. You're not asking for his discernment. You're making your own decisions. Friends, do you know what you're doing? You are relying on your own understanding. Friends, that's forsaking the Lord. I want to share this with you today, my precious friends, because I want you to understand that God is not only concerned about the religious part of your life. No, he's concerned about every single area of your life, every decision you have to make. The Lord wants to be front and center of it all. And he'll help you if you look to him, if you rely on him and you don't lean upon your own understanding. So what happens? He gives a mighty offense to God. He gives a mighty insult to God. He takes what belongs to the Lord, the gold and the silver that belongs to him. He takes it and he sends it to Syria. Friends, I take that so serious. You know, many of you know, there are many things very dear and near to my heart that are ministry things. Things like awakened to grace. Things like Bible translation work. These things are dear to my heart. I think about them all the time. I pray about them all the time. I work with every ounce in me in these areas. But do you know what I will not do? I will not take my tithe and reallocate. You know why? Because friends, it's not mine. It belongs to the Lord. And it's not mine to reallocate. It is the Lord's. So what do I do with what belongs to the Lord? What in, in, in our day would be our gold and silver? What do we do with what belongs to the Lord? We give it to the Lord. In the way that God says, and what does he say? His storehouse. I don't reallocate, even though my passion is evangelism. Even though my passion is Bible translations, even though my passion is heralding the gospel on every single platform that we can afford, even though that is the passion that I have, my tithe belongs to the Lord. So what do I want to do when I want to give to things like Bible treasure? I give an offering. I give an offering unto the Lord, but I don't mess with the Lord's tithe. That is holy and it belongs unto him and him alone for his storehouse, not for my pet projects. Even though they're worthy causes, it's not what God requires. Now, verses 2 and 3, he insults the Lord. He takes the gold, the silver. He takes the sacred gifts of the Lord and he sends it up to the king of Syria. Now the prophet's going to come to him. Now look, verses 4, 5, and 6. It would appear that King Asa got away with his sin. It would appear that there are no ramifications. As a matter of fact, it would appear that he made the right decision. And it would appear that his decision has paid off until the prophet of the Lord shows up. Verses 7, 8, and 9, the prophet tells him, No, you've acted foolishly, Asa. I want you to pay attention to verse 8. The prophet tells him, Asa... How could you have looked to the Lord when it came to the Ethiopians? And yet you relied on the king of Syria and not the Lord. Do you see his offense? Oh, friends, how easy it is for us to forget the victories God has won in our past. How easy it is for us to face a challenge tomorrow and forget what God did yesterday. How easy it is for us to fail to recognize God rescued us back then. God will rescue us today. God didn't need our cleverness back then, and God doesn't need our cleverness today. God didn't need my strength back then, and God doesn't need my strength today. What God needs is for me to rely on Him. In verse number 9, he says, you've acted foolishly. Verses 9 and 10. Verse 9, you've acted foolishly. And now now remember through chapter 14, five times he emphasizes there is peace in the land. There's quiet. There's rest in the land. There are no wars in the land. And now look at the judgment of verse 9. Going forward, he said, you've acted foolishly and going forward, you will have wars. Now rather than... Being sensitive to the Lord rather than repenting. Rather than crying out to the Lord. Rather than reversing course. Asa hardens his heart. And I want you to look at verse 10. It enraged him. Oh, what a foolish thing. It enraged him. You know what he did? He took the prophet of God and threw him into prison. And he afflicted the people. How foolish, Asa. The man who relied so heavily on the Lord. The man who started out so well. The man who led the nation back to revival. And now he's off track. I want you to look at verse number 12. Now this is interesting. There was a disease that came into Asa's feet. We are now in the 39th year of his reign. And no longer is Asa looking to the Lord. No longer is he doing what's right in the eyes of God. No longer is his heart following God. Now notice what it says. A disease came into his feet and grew severe. Now scholars believe this could have been gout. But most likely it was gangrene. The fact that scripture says it was severe. We believe that Chronicles was written literally by a team of uh, people who, who chronicled the history of of Judah and Israel, under the direction of Ezra. And it grew severe. They believe that means it spread upward throughout his body. And I want you to look at the most awful phrase here. And Asa sought, rather than seeking help from the Lord, he sought the help of physicians. Do you see how far Asa got off track? In chapter 14, he sought the Lord. Remember what the prophet said? The Lord is with you while you are with the Lord. If you seek him, he'll be found by you. If you forsake him, he will forsake you. And now Asa, in his old age, with most likely gangrene spreading throughout his body, he refuses to look to the Lord. Instead, he looked to physicians. Friends, he stopped relying on God. And look at verse 13. In the 41st year of his reign, Asa died. Friends, he refused to repent. I want to challenge you today. Some of you are doing well. But will you continue to do well? Will you be close to the Lord 20 years from this day? Will you still be walking with God two years from this day? Will you stay sensitive to the Lord two months down the road? We don't know what's ahead of us. But you can make the commitment today, I'm gonna live a life that relies on the Lord. I'm not gonna look to myself. I'm not gonna look to other people. I'm gonna look to the Lord. Have you visited my online store where you can find books, music, sermon series, and so much more? I hope you'll go there today, awakentograce.com store, and keep checking back because our resources that are designed for spiritual growth are always growing. Awakentograce.com slash store.